Hi there, you're listening to the Speak On It podcast, a program facilitated by Youth Advisory Board members of the Steve Fund. The Steve Fund is one of the leading nonprofit organizations in the United States that promotes the emotional and mental health of students of color. The goal of this podcast is to create a space for students and professionals alike to come together to discuss a plethora of topics relating to mental health and the challenges that Black, Indigenous, and people of color may face during their academic and professional careers. Before we begin our conversation, we would like to leave a disclaimer that this podcast cannot and should not substitute a mental health provider. If you or a loved one need help, please reach out to your primary care provider or the Steve Fund Crisis Hotline, which you can access by texting Steve to 741-741. Thank you and enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Speak On It. Today we'll be talking about um, getting out of your shell in college and finding your home away from home. So today we're joined by two special guests, my cousin Lauren and Dr. Michelle Maidenberg, and I'll let them introduce themselves. Lauren Westbrook-McIntosh, thrilled to have this opportunity to chat today. I um, work full-time in business education marketing at Facebook and also run a private coaching practice focused on social skill development. So really excited to, to chat. Hi, my name is um, Dr. Michelle Maidenberg, and I have a private psychotherapy practice in Harrison, New York. And then I have a a, um, nonprofit organization that's called Through My Eyes, which is T-H-R-U, myeyes.org. And we offer free clinically guided videotaping for chronically medically ill individuals who want to leave a video legacy for their children and loved ones. Um, I do a lot of writing and publishing, and then... um, I also teach a graduate mindfulness course at NYU as well. And I'm Danny. I, I guess the audience knows me by now and Kaylin. Um, so we can like introduce ourselves. I'm taking a gap year in between high school and college. I'll be starting at Harvard in the fall and I'm very excited. Um, I did a gap year program called Up With People, upwithpeople.org if you'd like to find out more, but there's like a lot of traveling and community service and performance-based activities. And one thing I like to do is run. Uh, my name is Kaylin, and I just finished my junior year, and I'm going. I'm an incoming senior, so I've been working on college apps, and that's been very fun. Uh, one thing that I enjoy in my free time is also running, like like just like Danny, and yeah. Awesome. Okay, so today I think the first thing we want to just talk about is, I guess there are a lot of concerns around starting college in the fall for a lot of students, and this year even some more than normal. So. I think there are a few major concerns, but I think one is just like, um, for me, the main one I think was always like, I guess, finding your home away from home and getting out of your shell. Because I think over time I've had kind of like a progression of, um, I guess, doing that a little bit more and making some more friends along the way. And I would love to hear everyone's tips on, I guess, balancing that whole like school life and also making friends and I guess any types of tips. So um, I think one of the things that I would certainly advise and and try to take um, heed of myself is around building out a routine. So even though right now things may feel very different from what we're used to, they may look very different from what we expect to be doing at some point in the future, um, having an understanding of how you can build into your week, the things that energize you, um, opportunities to... Uh, have some self-care, like identifying what you need as part of your day-to-day experience and just 
setting up either a calendar or creating a list of some sort, some sort of a structure that gives you the ability to create a routine, I think would certainly be very helpful. Lauren, I love the idea of creating structure. And I think that that's so critical, you know, for, for people in general. And I, I know now, and I see even in my own household for that matter, because my kids are out of school, you know, um, and I have four kids from age 11 to 20. <laughs> so they really have a huge span, I'm going to say developmentally. Um, it's really hard. I mean, my 11 year old is going to sleep at like one in the morning and I'm not exaggerating um, because, you know, the excuse is always like, oh, there's no school tomorrow. Right. Um, so it becomes it becomes very disorganized, you know. So in some respects, there's like kind of a silver lining here, I'm going to say, because we're, we're really seeking out to maintain structure now with COVID because our lives are kind of in you know, a little bit of a disarray, and it could actually help you when you get to college, you know, if you start doing that now, not waiting until you get to college. You know, one thing about college that is very different than high school is high school, you're at school, let's say from eight to four, whatever the case is, and you know the time that you're going to have for homework, and you know the time that you're going to have, you know, for actual study, you know, to be in class, you know the time that you're going to have for sports, let's say, or hanging out with your friends or whatever activities that you're doing. When you're in college, you really have to make your own schedule. And when you're talking about socializing, that's part of what you want to fit into your schedule, right? So if you have this open policy that you could socialize anytime, that's actually not going to be helpful, right? Because when you're supposed to be in class or when you're supposed to be, let's say, exercising or doing your studies and you're opting to socialize instead, then you get into kind of negative habits, which could lead you down a negative path. And, and I, you know, I work with a lot of students, for example, you know, what, that's one of the biggest complaints that students have about balancing their lives while they're at college, you know, how to have enough time for their academics, how to have enough. And that was pretty prescribed to them when they were in high school. So like you said, if you could do it in a systematic way, and sometimes you could also get help for it. So you may ask your parents, for example, for help. The wonderful thing about college now is there's so many resources at college. So they typically have a learning center or they have a counseling center. So if you're having trouble managing, you could always seek help, you know, from one of these wonderful resources because they deal with these types of issues that come up all the time. And, you know, sometimes it's helpful. I'm going to give a suggestion, and I do this often too, is to create like a pie chart. And to put percentages, like how much, first of all, what's important to you, right? So let's say you say exercising, um, your studies, your academics, socializing, you know, or whatever else that fits into that. And then I would ask, like, put it in a pie chart and how much of your time are you doing, you know, all of those things. And often we realize that we're putting a lot more effort and time into one thing over the other. And that's not exactly the way that we want to be living and it's not the best for us. So that's just, that's just um, you know, an example of something that you could actually do proactively to, ch to kind of assess and check, check yourself. I love that, especially nowadays during quarantine. I think of my normal, I guess, distribution of activities is a little bit off from how it normally is. So I normally am like, either studying a lot and then I have some sports practice and I have like school but I guess during my gap year I kind of um I decided a lot of different times to do different things so at one point I was like working a lot and then at another point I was traveling a lot and socializing and then like 
singing a lot. And it's like, so I got really into music at one point, then I got really into like um, athletics at one point. So I guess it was like a cool opportunity for me to just like, I guess I'm kind of advocating for gap years also because it's a cool opportunity to get into like what you're interested in. And it could even be an academic related thing, but you might not be able to do it like during the school year. So I like that a lot. But I also want to make sure that I like make a pie chart and make sure that I'm spending time on the different things that I need to because I guess I do want to be ready for college in the fall and um, yeah so that's like a really great reminder just like I guess just being intentional um, so then I also wanted to add a few pieces of advice for people who might be maybe if you're starting college from home virtually if we're not really sure I guess how it's going to start mm-hmm. one thing I think is designing your study space or kind of like getting cultivating your space how you want to so like make sure that you don't have a lot of distractions around you or you can like put positive affirmations on the walls or like some decorating and making things nice because we're just spending a lot of time at home now so I think it just makes it nice to do that um and then keeping engaged I remember one there's like this is like an ongoing debate I think should you keep your camera on during class what should you be allowed to have it off um I guess what are everyone's thoughts on this because my mom teaches college from home right now and some of her students will have the camera off and then they'll turn it on and they'll be like sorry I was just like cooking like during class and so <laughs> um so she just laughs at that and then some people are just like very engaged and then other t- I know in certain cases with software sometimes it doesn't even support everyone having their cameras on at the same time but I think with zoom that tends not to be a problem so I guess what does everyone think about that or like the level of engagement during meetings or classes you know, I think for me, it's it's a personal preference, right? And I think there's probably some variability depending on the day, depending on your bandwidth to be on screen at any given point. Um, but I do think that there's some benefit to seeing other people and having them see you. Um, I think it, one, holds you accountable for attempting to be uh, present and paying attention to topics that you're hoping to learn more about or to master. But then it's also just very encouraging. I think the ability to see people sort of in their day-to-day state like is what helps us to build some connections. Um, So while certainly there are times when you might say, hey, you know what, I have to run to the other room or I have to make a snack for myself. So I'm going to cut off my video so that it's not a distraction. um, I do also think there can be some real benefit to having your video on um, so that it feels like more of a communal experience. Even though we are apart, we're still together. Yeah, I completely agree. Because I think that in an academic atmosphere, not only are you able to engage with other people, but you're also able to engage with the lesson. Because I know some teachers during my junior year, like under quarantine, they would only take videos of like their lecture and just like pre-record it. And it's kind of hard to focus on it. It's kind of just watching like a YouTube video, but like there's a difference between like a teacher teaching and YouTube teaching, I guess. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it definitely can help with students with their learning. Yeah. So um, I, I wanted to comment on the last part of what you said and then kind of add to this. <laughs> um, so we tend to do the things that are most comfortable for us, right? So I just wanted to say something about the balance part is just to be careful because mm-hmm. if academics is our strength, you know, and that's where we have like the core of our self-confidence, we're going to probably put more time into that. You know, if socializing is something that again, is a formative value that you really, really want to improve on. You may put even more time than that. So I think besides assessing how much time you're putting into everything, 
is also thinking about how much time you want to be putting into everything. So I just wanted to make that comment too, because I think sometimes we get caught up in that um, because we don't want to do the things that are uncomfortable and that challenge us sometimes. And I, I guess it's a little reminder that we kind of need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one. Um, and the second thing about the camera, um, I teach, I, I just shared, I teach a graduate course and um, you know, we had to segue into online learning, like right in the middle of semester. And it was like quick and automatic and we didn't even have time to prepare for it at all. And I could tell you that I've had that challenge in the classroom. So I remember one semester, this was, I think last year where students were like doing online shopping in the middle of class, you know, or, you know, they had things up on their computers and I got comment from other students that they were getting distracted um, and I had to, and it, it's a mindfulness class, by the way. So, <laughs> I, so I had to, I had to say, you know, we're we're all working together as a community here, and you know, we all have to be like, we're, we, this is not only about learning about mindfulness; it's also about kind of practicing it. Like, if there's an experiential piece here. So I had to say, like, you know, please be mindful of your neighbors and your peers because mm-hmm. it could be distracting to them. Um, and then when I started this semester, I had a bunch of cameras that were off when I first started. And I had to kind of repeat that and say, like, you know, we're all in this community. And when you're showing commitment and when you're showing effort to being there, like it really represents you in a certain way. And it also suggests and communicates something to your community, mm-hmm. you know. So that was important, not only for the students, but it, it was important to me because I have to say, it was, it was quite jarring for me to talk into, you know, I saw like all these boxes with people's name on it. And of course my mind is going to like, are they like feeding their dog or are they, yeah, they take yeah. a shower. <laughs> so I, I found that I couldn't be the best teacher because I was getting distracted and I wasn't doing a disservice. I was doing a disservice to my students. So I, I didn't want to be that type of, you know, teacher. I wanted to really be present and mindful of my students. So I think, you know, that we also have to take kind of the person who's teaching into consideration too. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. I, I think it's so great that we got to hear from an actual like teacher or professor's point of view, because like, um, yeah, sometimes we're just thinking, from like the student's point of view or their participant's point of view. It's like, oh, it's just, I might as well just have the camera off because we're not there anyway, or it's just like boring or something. But it's, there's like such a difference between like kind of showing up and like really showing up or just like checking off a box that you were there and then really showing up. So I, yeah, I love that. And that I think connects with taking the initiative. So I think one thing my grandmother always says is like, you need to kind of make it happen for yourself. And a lot of people have said, like college is what you make of it and that in life is what you make of it and for socializing I think my grandmother always said that you kind of need to like put that energy out there like don't wait for someone to come to you and my mom jokes that I'm waiting for like a golden invitation <laughs> to come to my front door to like go hang out with people <laughs> but um I think that and she connects it to the book The Secret which she's read before and she really loves and she recently um, suggested that my brother and I read it before starting college so she, a, an example that she gave for using the secret to like make friends is just, I guess, instead of focusing on, I'm not good at this, this this is not how I want it. 
Like I'm not being as social as I want to be. Instead, focusing on like I am social. I am reaching out to people. I am communicating with my friends, and then just like manifesting that. So for her, I guess that would be like walking up to a group of people and expecting it to kind of go well, and just like expecting it to be what you want it to be. And then I think she brought up a girl who went to my school, and she was like, "Remember that girl who was like always happy and like talking to everybody?" And I remember her pretty well, actually. I remember she was like in student government and things like that. Um, it was like she was kind of like manifesting, I guess, that kind of environment for herself instead of, I guess, waiting for other people to come to her. She was like doing the work to reach out. And also she was there since like fifth grade and all these other things. But I guess like the way that she was like living her day-to-day -day life is she was just expecting certain things to go a certain way. So I guess, um, yeah, any thoughts on that or taking the initiative in college or making things, I guess, happen? Um, social or otherwise I think taking the initiative is like really helpful if you want to like make connections but it's also really discouraging when people don't reciprocate what you put into it yeah and then I also know that I have like this friend she would be like a social butterfly and I guess I would be too sometimes but whenever we would go around sometimes at the end of the day we'd feel like all of them are sort of like temporary in a way because there's not you don't really have that like deep connection with anyone yet because you're going around but I think that after a while like if you continue to put in the effort you end up like finding your group of people or like if you don't want to you can just you know keep being a social butterfly there's nothing wrong with that as long as like you're happy with like like everything in your life with your relationships with people but I really do think it's like about the effort and the time you put into it and this connects to so many things that we talked about during our pre-chat, um, like the fear of rejection and being uncomfortable and then knowing that you kind of have to lean into that discomfort in order to grow. So you can kind of tell if it's a good discomfort or if it's going to lead somewhere good. And then, yeah, reminding yourself to go with that because it's not always going to feel like completely comfortable because yeah. then otherwise you just wouldn't change. So Be open to rejection, failure and vulnerability. Like, that's great. <laughs> Not things we like as humans, but still, it's important. Absolutely. I would say a couple things. I think for one, you know, I think one of the challenging things that people often struggle with when it comes to socializing with others or meeting people for the first time is exactly what to say. Um, and so often we fall back on like small talk that seems very surface level. So, oh, where are you from? Or what do you do? Or what are, what are some of the activities you like? Um, and I try to really encourage myself and people that I work with to go deeper to more powerful questions. So asking people how they decided to take a particular step in their life's journey, um, understanding where they've come from and what's meaningful for them. So to the extent that you can really dig in to understand people's stories, that is a really great way of creating some meaningful connection is kind of going beyond small talk um, by thinking about some powerful questions that you can ask. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to say on this, on this topic is around, you know, giving yourself the opportunity to kind of have an out if you are meeting people and engaging with people who don't feel like they're your people. You will certainly um, have those moments where you say, okay, I'm really, I'm going to push myself to go hang out with a group, or maybe I'm going to go on a date. And in the event that you in advance, identify sort of an excuse for an early departure should you need it. That is a very useful tactic or tool. Um, 
and can, can help you a little bit more than if you were in the circumstances feeling uncomfortable and then had to try to come up with something on the spot as to why you need to leave the situation. So, you know, walking into, um, an engagement of some sort or a, a party or a gathering and saying, Oh, you know, this is so fun. I, I actually have to get ready to go in about 30 minutes, but I really wanted to stop by. You have the choice to either stay or to say, you know what, I'm actually really having fun. And now I'm going to stick around and blow off that thing that I was claiming I had to do. Um, I think it's always really useful to just you be in control of your own time um, and set yourself up in advance for an exit ramp if you need it so that you're not forcing yourself to stay in uncomfortable circumstances. Um, and it can sometimes make it a little bit easier to take those risks to go and do things that may feel a little bit risky or a little bit scary. Yeah. And I, I love those tips. I, I think it's important to be able, um, and I, I just wanted to kind of add to that because I think, I think sometimes that we could also prejudge, yeah. you know, so we have to also be careful because mm -hmm. I think, you know, I think when you're leaving high school, because most people and not everybody by any means, most people have this core group of friends and some people have been with this core group since like elementary school. So, you know, talk about being their people. It's, you know, the people that they rely on, people that they, they're, you know, kind of their confidants and, you know, they share kind of history with and on and on. So the relationship is so rich and like connected, you know? So I, I hear often, you know, where students will say that they're expecting, and this is something they're expecting personally because they want it, but also because they hear from others, right? That this is what you can expect. Yeah. You know, there was a video, there was a video, um, I think it was two years ago of this freshman. I can't remember what school and it was, it, it trended. It was like this video about her talking about her genuine experience being a freshman. And she talked about her loneliness and it, again, people were like, that's what really happens. Like all that, you know, all that stuff outside of it is not so genuine. But so we have to, I, I think, I think you have to be careful, you know, when you're going into college it's okay to have those expectations because it's something you want, but if you're going to rely on them, right, by saying, like, talking to somebody for five minutes and saying, like, oh, those are not my people, yeah. you know, because of fear, mm -hmm. because of prejudgment and et cetera. So I'm going to say, like, also to stick it out, yeah. you know, give people a chance, give people, like, time for you and others to cultivate themselves, right? Because sometimes mm -hmm. when you first meet somebody, they could be shy, right, or yeah. they could be fearful. You know, there's so many feelings that come up when you first meet somebody. Not everyone is who they really genuinely are the first time they meet somebody. So you have to also kind of leave room for that. That's one. Um, the second I was going to say is there's power in numbers. Mm -hmm. So the more people you meet, the better chance you're giving yourself at finding your people. Right. So, and that's true for whether you're looking for an intimate partner or otherwise, like you gotta be out there. You gotta go and go and go. Right. Um, and then the last thing is schools now do such a wonderful job, you know, with orientation. They tend to, they tend to do, they, first of all, they have these Facebook groups even before you get to school. So you could actually even make friends before you even get to school where you could talk online or you could, again, now with COVID, it's a little bit difficult, like where, you know, right. But you could FaceTime, you could zoom, whatever, um, or social distance, you know, have a social distancing to get together. Um, and then when you get to school, 
typically there's like a week where freshmen are just on campus a week before the rest of you know the students come where they have like a really really kind of intense orientation and that's at a time where everyone's hungry for friendship you know everybody's kind of raw it's everybody's acclimating no one knows what to expect nobody knows like where to go and how to get access to things so you're almost, it's a camaraderie in your confusion, I'm going to say. <laughs> you could kind of talk about that. So to really jump on that, you know, when you first get to school. Um, but also to recognize that it's a transition and it's going to take time. And you may struggle with that because you want it to be really quick and you want everything to go well really quickly. So to just be mindful of it being a process and not putting too much pressure on yourself too. Yeah. Uh, speaking from personal experience, uh, the transition period is like, definitely not fun. I know that when I moved high schools, I had like the, I had like three or four of these really close friends. And to me, they were like the perfect best friends. Like those are the people that I, like, that's all I needed. And so when I moved schools, I was sort of like looking for people who were like similar to them. And I was like, no one can really like fulfill that role. But then like over time I realized like people are all different and like, I can't really expect everyone to like be the same, you know? And I guess I just had to like adjust to that part of the point of view perspective and things and then also with like when it comes to like groups and meeting people maybe it's different between like high school and college because in high school people have like most people or the majority of the people that I've met they already have like their set groups and it was really difficult to just jump in one like in the middle of like high school because like everyone's got like it's just really it was really awkward for me to like sit in a group and just people were, like talking about other people that I have no idea who they're talking about and like if I have to ask then they'd have to like go on like a whole tangent explaining everything which I never really did because I didn't want to be like bothersome in that way and like intruding but I'm just curious is it different like how it is in high school between between college and high school like when it comes to like social aspects I think every college is probably very different but from my own experience and from the experiences that I've seen amongst some of the people that I work with or even just family members that I know, um, what is nice about college in many ways is that for the most part, people are sort of starting over fresh. Um, you may have a few people that you remember from high school or there may be some folks that you knew previously, but a lot of times um, when you're entering college, it's a new start for all people who are entering that, that class. Um, I think the nice thing too about college is that there are some pre-established groupings that tend to happen, whether you live in a specific dorm. And so all of the people in that dorm are sort of one grouping, or if you're part of a particular major, um, maybe you've joined like an interest group or a specific club. Like there are a lot of different um, communities within the larger community that you can explore and through which you can start to meet people. So I would say those are some of the ways that I have seen college feel a little bit different from um, high school. And I also think, you know, one of my best memories from not just college, but also from graduate school was that with more time together, there were more opportunities for very casual um, moments to connect. So in business school at Stanford specifically, they do something called small group dinners, where the whole premise is for one or two people to get together and just say, 
let's send out a mass email and see if 10 to 15 people who don't know one another just want to get together for dinner. It's low key, it's lightweight, but like maybe there are some folks who just want to meet other folks and we can, we can get this group of people together. Whereas in high school, you sort of finish the school day, you go home, you have to ask permission to see, can I leave for this amount of time and then come back home? At least that's how it was for me. Um, you know, in business school, in college, there was more flexibility around your schedule to get together maybe after dinner for dessert or to just have a coffee chat with people on a Sunday afternoon because you didn't have as much going on. Um, so that, those were some of the ways that I remember college feeling and business school feeling different than high school and being fun ways to cultivate new relationships. And you know, um, one other thing which I think is so, so critical is you didn't re really have a choice of what high school you went to. Mm -hmm. Most people didn't. I mean, some people went to private yeah. high school, but most people didn't, right? Like you are basically, it was based on your district and whoever was in your high school was in your high school, you yeah. know? Um, so here, the reason why people go to certain schools is because of the fit. Mm -hmm. Like, Think about the time and energy that you put into selecting your college, right? It's based on, right, it's on the size of the college and the culture. And I mean, there's so, like, think about how many factors, right? You kind of go down the list and check it off, based, right? And then, you, and then you narrow your search and narrow and narrow until it's like the one that checks off the most boxes. Yeah. So you've done your homework. So the chances are that people are looking for similar things, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like Danny, I could, I could venture, I guess, that you're going to have a nice bunch of intellectual students in your school mm -hmm. <laughs> because it's very competitive to get into Harvard, right? Um, and there's a certain expectation in the crop of students that are there, right? Yeah. So um, that off the bat, makes brings kind of community i'm gonna say and i know even like for example in the ivy leagues because uh, i used to date in my heydays <laughs> somebody who went to <laughs> yale and one of the things that and we went to go visit i went with him to yale literally it was like a cult i was amazed <laughs> like they had a pant and a song and a this you know <laughs> like i'm just saying that every school and when i speak to people about their schools it's like not only are they so excited about their school, but they're dedicated, you know, to yeah. their school and their community. So keep in mind that, you know, off the bat, you've already eliminated to some extent, you know, people who wouldn't necessarily be in your community. Um, so you're, you're, you're a step ahead. You know, I, I just want you to realize that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm still like in the process of like looking for colleges and like, I don't know. It's, overwhelming it's daunting still but hopefully i'll find the right fit <laughs> i i want to comment on that i totally agree i guess from what i've heard and what i've seen like visiting the different schools and talking to people who went there some people like have just like so much pride in their school and the school's mm -hmm. community culture and like traditions i think that's like unique to college because like you really I think each college really has its like own personality. It's like so cool. And then within that you get to join different groups like Lauren mentioned, um, like different social groups or academic groups or 
um, different things like that, activities, where you get to even narrow it down even more. One of my friends who I met through my music production class uh, goes to NYU, and she's friends with a lot of people in her major group. So, like, they are, they have that in common, and I guess that's what helped her. She said she wasn't as, like, social with the people in her dorms. Well, she was, but she found a lot of her good friends in her major group. So there are a lot of different places to meet friends, too. Um, There's one other thing I want to mention too. Sorry, this is a slightly different point, but it's just something that has come to mind. We're talking a lot about how to be proactive in identifying, you know, friend groups or finding friends for yourselves. And I think one of the pieces of encouragement that I would give is how you can also be an includer, right? So you may naturally find, oh, wow, I've got a great set of roommates, or I have. Um, a really good core group of people that I met within the first couple weeks and now we go and we have meals together. Look for those who seem to be on the outskirts. There are guaranteed to be those people who may be a little bit more lonely or haven't been as lucky in finding their crew or a handful of people that they can really relate well to. And we can all probably remember a moment when we were that person and we were very grateful that somebody else said, hey, Kaylin, would you want to come and sit and have lunch with us? Or, you know, what are you doing after school? A couple of us are going and doing X, Y, or Z. So see if you can seek out the folks who seem to be on their own or seem to be sort of looking for an opportunity to step in because um, we all need that at some point in time and you never know how much a person could really benefit from just that extra nudge to be welcomed into a, a group that you may have already established. Or even if it's just a one-on-one -on -one and you say, hey, you know, I noticed you were sitting by yourself eating, eating your dinner. Can I join you? Um, sometimes the most meaningful conversations and connections can come out of those chance encounters. I love that because I can definitely remember sometimes where I was very, very grateful that someone decided to kind of invite me in. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then I can think of times where I also was the person inviting the other person in or just going outside of my comfort zone and talking to someone new. Cause like yeah. I, in college, everybody's new. So it's also a great time to do that. Like right off the bat because everybody's yeah. new and everyone's looking for friendships. And then another thing I know it's so funny. It comes up a lot, I guess when we talk about things like this, but like you don't want them to think that you like feel sorry for them. Cause like, yeah, because you're coming from a place of like you relate to them and you, you just know that's what you would want someone to do for you. And, um, and then also like asking, because like sometimes people just want to be eating alone. <laughs> or they're thinking, they're, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> I think that's, I think that's happened to me. They're like, oh yeah, I did that intentionally. And it's like, oh, okay, that's cool too. So <laughs> Yes, that's a very good distinction, Danny. Like no pressure needs to be a no pressure offer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, how we, like we assume, you know, we right. just assume. <laughs> exactly. And up with people, there's a song like there, there would be a lot more people, there'd be a lot less people to worry about and a lot more people who care. So like, mm -hmm. I guess being, taking the initiative to like reach out to others is like other, I guess if everyone did that, then the whole community would be a lot better off too. Yeah. Um, okay. So I guess we mentioned vulnerability and I'd like to maybe talk a little bit about Brene Brown and her work and some insights that um, we've gained from listening to her. I know, I think a few of us have seen some of her talks or maybe we can talk about, I guess, how we relate to what she's saying. Because it, it can seem kind of hard at first, because I think she says there's a lot of power in vulnerability, and mm. it's kind of like, I guess, living wholeheartedly, and just like coming into your power, and it makes things more worth it. So I guess one example for me is like, today I shared 
the first song um, that I made in my music production group. So my friend Joanne and I collaborated on the song, and we're definitely both beginners, but we definitely put several hours into this, so it was actually, um, it was really fun. And everyone like, like, seemed to like it. A lot of people had some really nice, encouraging things to say, which was awesome, and I love being in a group like this, where everyone's just so excited for other people to learn and like to become better musicians themselves. And they're just so willing to like collaborate. And I guess that's kind of a unique experience for me. I don't know if I've ever been in a group quite like that before. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, but it can, it can sometimes feel like you're just a little bit more alive. Like you're like a little bit scared, but you're also like, wow, I really put myself out there this time. Versus like other times where I was just kind of like sitting in the class, like not sharing anything with like my camera off. And I'm just kind of like watching because I don't really know what to expect. And I feel like everyone's probably better at this than me, <laughs> which could have been true. But I think we definitely want to give ourselves that warm up period. But then when we're ready or maybe even before we feel like we're ready, it's time to just like go for it and like just go for it. So I guess that's what vulnerability means to me. So maybe we can go around and share what vulnerability means to you. Well, I, you know, I feel, I feel like just because of everything that's going on now, you know, we're, I think everyone's in a state of vulnerability. Like we, we just are, you know, whether you're dealing with kind of, you know, systemic racism and white fragility and white privilege. And I could go on and on and on, right? Like we're, we're naturally in a state of vulnerability, I think. And there's a lot of discomfort that we're sitting with, right? Whether it's because of our own experience experience or how we see we contribute to it or what you know we feel we want to or don't want to kind of uh, put you know put ourselves into committing to advocacy or whatever like everyone has kind of their thing you know so I, I have to say that it's it's a kind of an interesting time to enter college too my son is going into his junior year in college and I ask I've asked him this question he actually he, this is his second college. He went to Binghamton and then to Pitt, you know, to University of Pittsburgh. Um, and, I, and I asked him once, I said, are you able to express yourself, your opinions, your ideas in school, like when you're in a college classroom? And he said, absolutely not. And, and I said, what do you mean? Um, and he expressed that, that it, it hasn't felt safe at times for him because he either got shut down or ridiculed. Um, or the agenda of the professor, you know, was very kind of clear cut and you couldn't really go outside of that. And then I was probing him a little bit about whether that was in, like, like it, whether that was um, similar in high school, because I was just curious, because I, you know, um, and he said in some classes it actually was, because again, it depended really on the culture of the class and the teacher, you know, um, who was teaching the class. So I feel like that has to be put out there that, um, you know, that we're naturally going to be uncomfortable about like how we come across or how we express ourselves or whether we're being inclusive or whether we're saying kind of, you know, um, communicating in a, a kind of a sensitive way. And I could just tell you that I was doing workshops on racism for several weeks and what came out of that. And I realized being a white woman, of course, that there were things that I just wasn't aware of just being a white woman. Um, and I, and I, I realized that people were communicating and being hurtful. <laughs> and I'm including myself in that, by the way, <laughs> because not, not intentionally, of course, wanting to be hurtful because, you know, that's not in my value system. 
but just not being aware. Um, and so I, I actually interviewed um, a bunch of experts and I came up with eight questions where, you know, I would say kind of white people or, you know, white privilege sometimes gets in the way of how we approach, you know, people of color and, um, you know, because I really wanted to inform the public. So I guess I felt like the need to express this because I feel like it's really part of the culture of what students are now are kind of, we need to be sensitive and aware and um, open mm -hmm. to, you know, where in the past that might have not have been the case. It's kind of out there, you know, which is wonderful, I'm going to say. So it could so lend to the experience of college as well. Um, I fear, I guess, this is coming from, you know, the fear where, you know, what my son said. I fear that, that students won't uh, be able to or won't have, won't feel um, safe enough to be vulnerable. I, I, that's what I fear. And, and I'm not speaking for all schools because I think there are some schools that are more open, but I fear that there are some schools, and I'm gonna say some professors in schools, that will curtail that. And I think that that's really um, unfortunate you know, for some college students today. So I just wanted to put it out there. I felt like it needed to be said. <laughs> That's great. Um, I think for me, when I think about vulnerability, I think a lot about authenticity and the ability to share your true experience, which in certain um, instances is not going to be fun or enjoyable to share. Um, but can ultimately really help to draw you closer to other people and can feel contagious because other people are more likely to share vulnerably with you if they feel that you are authentically sharing vulnerably with them. Um, and I'll give you an example of when being vulnerable in school really helped me. I remember I was in an accounting class and I really was not mastering the material. And I was so ashamed of that. I was like, I I should be able to get this. Like, I don't know why this is taking me so long. I'm just going to go back to my dorm and study the materials as much as I possibly can. And like, maybe I'll finally nail it. And I really was not picking it up. And so I eventually went to one of the teaching aides in the class and I said, Hey, you know, this is a struggle for me. I've been really taking a lot of time. And she was like, have you investigated potentially getting some sort of a tutor or a study group? And I was like, honestly, I hadn't even told anybody about this. So I didn't know that those things existed. Um, and so a couple of weeks later, I ended up pursuing both things. And one, I found it very interesting that the list of people waiting for tutors, it was like a really long list. So I was able to see that I was not totally alone in my experience. That there were a lot of people who were sharing the same thing. And then secondly, I was in a study group in which one of the other people who was in the group, when she heard that I was not like mastering certain concepts, she really took an interest in trying to help me. And to the extent that, you know, the last night before our big exam, um, she had finished her problem sets. I was still working and we had a couple of other people who were still working and she was like, okay, great. I'm all done. You know, I'm going to give it another hour and then I'm going to go to bed. And I was like, well, if you're done with the problem sets, you should be done. You should go ahead and, and get some rest. And she was like, no, I want to stick around because I want to make sure you get it. And it was such an eye-opening thing for me to see that people genuinely, um, more often than we expect, really want to help. But you can't be helped if you're not saying out loud, hey, I need help, or this is something that I'm kind of uncomfortable with. 
And so I really valued that experience and just the feeling of not being weird, not being looked down upon, but instead having somebody have a genuine interest in being helpful to me. Um, and it in turn made me want to seek opportunities to do that for other people as well. So that's an example that comes to mind when I think about Brene Brown's work, when I think about vulnerability and authenticity is you can't be helped unless you are willing to open up. And the more we open up, the more we encourage other people to do the same with us. I really love that idea of community that you talked about. Cause that's usually <clears throat> when I think about like high school and like, like medical school, cause I want to go down the med field or the med path. Um, I don't know. People are always telling me like, Oh, that's like a lot of years of like school and like, you know, like the concepts, like that's all really hard and stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, I know. But like the idea of that community seems like really interesting to me. And I like, like, yeah. I like, like it. I want to take all those like high level courses and like do it with like, with a group of people. Cause it's just, I don't know. I just like, like it, if that makes sense. I don't know why. It's just so cool to see people all gathered around with like the same similar interests. Absolutely. I think a, a, another thing that can help you find your home away from home at college or feel like you're at home is surrounding yourself with people who just want to see you succeed because like not everyone's going to necessarily want to see you succeed. So I think being able to cultivate s some positive energy around yourself and finding your people. And like Michelle said, um, you have to be out there in order to find your people. But once you find them, like, I guess, in my opinion, it just makes everything a lot better. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Rosebud and thorn, a rose is something beautiful, a thorn is a pain and a bud is something you're looking forward to. So today a rose was, I actually went on a run with my brother and my dad. We had a lot of fun. We did like fartlek, which is running really fast, and then you get like a few minutes of recovery and then you're running really fast again. That was super fun. And then, let's see, a thorn from this week was... Hmm. I don't know. I guess just like going to bed kind of late. Because <laughs> just like I also want to get up early and get my day started. And it's hard to balance all of this stuff of like not really having anywhere to go in the morning, but you still want to get up early. And then it's like every single morning, it's like a debate. Like, should I get up? Should I not get up mm -hmm. in my head? So that's like a thorn. And then a bud looking forward to next week, um, going to visit some family friends in Vermont and doing some water sports. So I'm excited for that. Um, for me, a rose this week was, I guess, I got to drive because I just got my permit. And so I'm learning how to drive, which is kind of fun and scary at the same time. Um, a bud is that I'm looking forward to playing soccer with my siblings this afternoon. And they got like this new parachute thingy so like we can work on our sprints. And it's really funny because whenever my sister does it, she's like short and the parachute doesn't go up. So it just bobs up and down when she runs. <laughs> and then a thorn, still college apps, <laughs> having to work on those. But yeah. Those are great. Um, I'm going to start with a thorn and then I'll make my way up to the, the nice happy bud and rose. <laughs> so I think the thorn for me, um, in the past, call it couple of weeks has just been the emotional exhaustion that results from the news and seeing the impact of not only the pandemic, but also, um, just um, the manifestation of racial injustice in America. So just a lot of feelings about that still and, and wanting to do more. 
Um, I would say my rose is that I decided in a sort of rebellious act of self-care to take a full week off of work this week, despite not having any major plans. I'm not going on a vacation anywhere. I just said, you know, this is time for me to recover and to get back into a good groove within my household. I had some laundry that had piled up and that kind of thing. Um, and then the bud, what I'm hopeful for is I am going to spend a great day on Friday, if the weather is good, um, just hanging out with my son. I have a 17-month-old son, and you know, if the weather is nice, I'd love to take him like out to a beach and to a park and just do some things that we haven't had a chance to do in a while. Um, so even if the weather is not so great, I think we'll still be able to make the best of it. But that's like something I'm looking forward to towards the end of the week is just being present and engaged with him um, in a way that we normally don't have as much time for. So. So I think I'll start with the thorn too. Um, yeah, for me also, it's just this uncertainty, like just everything feels um, so unsettled, you know, it feels crackly. I, I can't even, you know, and, and I think, I think I just see so much aggression. I think that's what's so overwhelming for me. I see it all over the place. I mean, from like, you know, how people react, even, you know, like just putting, putting yourself out there. I feel like everybody is just so, there's so much tension and intensity you know, so it's uncomfortable for me. It's evoking that, um, uh, you know, and even, you know, with the second wave potentially of kind of, you know, the coronavirus and COVID, you know, there's, there's just aggression around wearing masks and not wearing masks and like the political upheaval, you know, every time I turn on the news at night, like I have to close my eyes and say, is this really happening? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, cause I'm just like astonished mm -hmm. at what I see and what I hear. It's just like, you know, I, I call it crazy making. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so yes, um, that's one. And uh, for me, what's, I guess, good um, is I'm working on a book, which I'm really excited about. And it's kind of my life's work. So mm -hmm. I feel so excited. And I had such an incredible, fortunate thing happen where I just happened to have an uh, acquisition editor reach out to me to write a book. Oh. And I'm finishing the proposal and it was like, I, yeah, wow. like just, it was yeah, meant to like be. The, yeah. the stars aligned and like, yeah, I mean, hopefully it will come through and everything, but who knows? But anyway, but it just, it just felt good that things aligned. That's all. Um, so that's exciting and hopeful for, I, I really, I just want to see more unity. I, I just, I crave it. <laughs> I hope for it. I, I work I work towards it. <laughs> you know, I do what I do my part. I do whatever I can to try to forge that. But it feels sometimes it feels so hard and so exhausting. And, you know, so that's kind of where I'm at. Thank you so much to everyone for sharing. Um, yeah, I think that wraps it up for today's episode. So thanks for joining us, everyone. Thank you to all the listeners and we'll see you on the next episode. And that's all, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. To continue the conversation, check out the Steve Fund website for blog posts and summaries of our podcast. While you're there, feel free to also explore different programs, initiatives, and events that the Steve Fund has coming up. If you would like to leave any future topics or themes for us to discuss, or even a comment, feel free to email us at yv at 
Thanks. And until you tune in again, be safe and be well.